Good morning. Uh, today's scripture is Philippians 2, uh, 5 through 11. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the same that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thank you, Christian. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the opportunity and privilege we have to come here and to to worship you, the one who loved us so much that you sent your one and only son, Jesus. He came, he lived, he went to the cross and died for us, rose again for us. And we rejoice in that, Lord. We rejoice in this time of year that we can really focus on the coming of Jesus. It's what it's all about. Guide us as we continue to look at your word and and how your word describes this coming so long ago. In Christ's name, amen. On Tuesday this week, you probably know this, the 21st of December, it's the winter solstice in the northern hemisphere which means that on Tuesday we will have the smallest amount of light daytime that we will have all year. And on Tuesday we will have the most darkness that we will have all year. Uh, The solstice is a turning point in the seasons. It's kind of that fulcrum. Now, there are people, and there have always been people uh, in Christian circles who have had a, a difficult time with the idea that we celebrate Christmas so near to the winter solstice. And you've probably heard or read some of this concern. And the concern is based on the fact that throughout history, The winter solstice has been celebrated by many pagan religions and still is. And so there have been those who say, why in the world do we celebrate Christmas so close to this pagan holiday, the winter solstice? Is it a mistake? Well, think about this. Who created the universe? Our God created the universe. 
He created the moon. He created the sun. He created the seasons, right? Which means the winter solstice, which is the turning from one season to the other, a, a natural thing, a natural function of creation, it was God's idea. He put it into place. He created the seasons and how they change and when they change. Think about it this way. On December 21st, we have this turning point where in our hemisphere, it's the darkest it will be all year long. And four days later, we celebrate when the light came to the darkness. You see, starting Tuesday, when we get into Wednesday, every day there'll be a little more light. On Tuesday, the light begins to overcome the darkness. And isn't that what happened when Jesus came? The light came to this world and began to overcome the darkness. We celebrate a turning point when the light came to the darkness. And so I want to talk about that a little bit. This is our second message in this little Christmas series uh, concerning the light and the darkness. Um, I want to talk about Jesus coming in that respect, the light coming to the darkness. Have you ever thought about what an amazing thing that was? Jesus came from heaven to earth. What a drastic change for him. Jesus was God. He came and became a man. What an extreme experience. Jesus was deity. He had all the qualities of deity. And he came here and took on the qualities of humanity. Wow. We can't even imagine what that was like. And Jesus was light. And he left a place that was all about light and came to darkness, the darkness of this world. We need to really think about that and think about what an incredible, drastic change of location and experience that was for Jesus. I can't fathom it. I mean, this doesn't even do it, it justice, but think about somebody who has spent their entire life living in a desert nation in the Middle East. And then they decide 
to move and live in Embarrass, Minnesota in January. Talk about extreme steps. Talk about incredible, drastic changes in location and experience from temperatures in the hundreds to 35 below. From blowing sand to blowing snow. That would be drastic, wouldn't it be? And that's just a wee little idea of what it must have been like for Jesus. From heaven to earth. God to man. Deity to humanity. Light to darkness. So let's see how the Bible describes that. How it describes Jesus' coming. Turn with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. This would be John's Christmas story, I guess. Verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. John says that Jesus, the Word, verse 14, clearly identifies the Word. The Word became flesh, dwelt among us. That's got to be Jesus. So John tells us that the Word was with God. Jesus was with God. He says the Word was God. Jesus was God. He says that the Word, Jesus, created all. He created everything, Jesus. He says that life was in the Word. Life was in Jesus. He's the source of life. That the Word is the light of men. Jesus, the light of men. The true light. In fact, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. John says the Word was God. That means Jesus was light, and in him no darkness at all. And then he became flesh. He became flesh, and he came and dwelt among us. He was with God. He was God. He was the creator. Life was in him. He was the light he was the true light, no darkness in him at all, and he chose to come here to the darkness. Chapter 6 of John, 
Jesus just says it clearly in verse 38. He says, for I have come down from heaven. I've come down from heaven. Jesus came from heaven. What a change of location. He was God and he took on flesh. What a change. What a drastic, extreme step. And he lived among us in a dark world. John 17 describes this. John 17, now we're near the end of Jesus' ministry. This is the night in which he was betrayed and arrested, leading to his crucifixion. And if you recall, uh, John 17 records a prayer that Jesus prayed to the Father on that night. And the prayer begins in John 17 with Jesus talking to the Father about the ministry that he had been carrying out. And starting in verse 4, he says, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus is talking about the glory he possessed when he was with the Father before the world began. Glory. The glory I had. Turn to Luke 2. Uh, This is the familiar Christmas story from Luke's uh, gospel. And there's an interesting phrase that we read. We might even sing. I don't know. It's probably in some Christmas songs. But uh, there's an interesting phrase here. And it was spoken by the angel who appeared to the shepherds. And uh, in verse 10, the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now notice what the angel did not say. He will become Christ the Lord. He didn't say that, did he? The angel said, he is Christ the Lord. And then verse 12, he says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Where will you find the one who is Christ the Lord? Laying in a manger as a baby. You want to talk extreme, drastic change? Glory in heaven. Christ the Lord. A human baby in a manger. That's about as drastic, extreme, as you can get. But that was the coming of Jesus. Paul gives his Christmas story in Philippians chapter 2. 
Philippians chapter 2. This is the passage that Christian read for us. just want to point out a couple things here. As Paul describes this drastic change that Jesus experienced. He says in verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So he's talking about Jesus. And here's what he says about him. Who being in very nature God. Now, you can't be in very nature someone unless you are that someone. Who being in very nature God, he did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped. Again, Paul confirms it. Jesus, in very nature God, he was God. What does he say next? He made himself nothing. Or some of your Bibles will say emptied himself. Taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man. Again, Paul describes this drastic extreme change that Jesus experienced he was God and yet in some way he laid aside things that had to do with his deity the privileges the independent exercise whatever it was but he laid aside emptied himself of something pertaining to his deity and he took on the appearance of a man he became human Spirit with no limitations, right? God is spirit. Jesus is God. No limitations. Took on flesh. Became a human being. Lived in a physical body with all of its limitations of time and space, and needs for food and drink. That was the drastic change that Jesus made as he came to this earth. I mean, what a step. What an extreme change. And he was willing to experience that. And, of course, we know that when he, when he did come, it wasn't like there was a parade and everybody celebrated. John says in chapter 3 that he came into this dark world and the darkness hated him. He was unwelcome in this dark world. Because John says darkness always hates light. Darkness hates light because light exposes darkness, exposes the truth about darkness. And so darkness hates light, and the light came. Jesus was the light. In him, no darkness at all. And John says the darkness did not welcome him, hated him. 
willing to take such an extreme step and then unwelcomed. But he took it anyway. Why would he do that? Why would Jesus do that? Why would he make that choice? What was his reason? Friends, you were the reason. I was the reason. Todd, you were the reason. Why did Jesus come? Brenna, you're the reason. Rolf, you're the reason. Preston, you're the reason. I could go right down every row. The reason he came, the reason he was willing to experience such a drastic, extreme, incredible change was you and me. Um, in Luke 19.10, and, and these are on your sheet. You can look at them and rejoice in them uh, later today. But in Luke 19.10, Jesus says that he came to seek and save the lost. That was the reason. He came to seek and save the lost. Those who were lost in the darkness of sin. Jesus the light came to seek and save them. In Mark 10:45, Jesus said that he came to give his life as a ransom for many. What's a ransom? It's a price that's paid in order to bring freedom to someone, right? And Jesus said, the reason I came is to give my life, that's the price, as a ransom to free many. And isn't that what he did? He went to the cross, and as a sinless person, he took on our sin. And he paid the price of his life that we might be free from sin's control and sin's penalty. That's why he came. John twelve twenty seven. You might want to turn there. John twelve twenty seven. This is getting close to the time when Jesus will be giving his life. And he's very honest here in verse 27 of John 12. He says, now my heart is troubled. Jesus' heart was troubled. Now what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. And later, John makes it very clear he's talking about his death. Jesus is troubled thinking about what he is going to have to go through. And he, and, he, and he says, should I ask the Father if there's another way? But then he thinks, this is why I came. 
This is the reason I left heaven. This is the reason I humbled myself to take on flesh, to take on humanity. This is the reason, as someone experiencing all the glory and the light of heaven, never experiencing darkness personally, was willing to come to the darkness. He says, this is why I came to go to that cross. And it wasn't for himself. It was for you and me. And another way that John puts it is in chapter 3. He says, for God so loved the world. That's why he came. He loved this dark world. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. For what reason? That we should not perish, but have eternal life. That's why he came. That was the reason. One more passage that tells us why Jesus was willing to make this drastic change and take this extreme step. It's in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too, speaking of Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. He came for human beings, not angels. Verse 17, for this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Why did he come? Why did he become flesh? Why did he live in a human body with limitations? Because a spirit doesn't die. A body dies. And so he had to come and take on a human body so that he could pay the price. The price of death. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. Jesus had to take on a body so that he could experience death in our place for our sins to pay that ransom to free us from the fear of death to conquer Satan who had a hold on us in this dark world because of the fear of death and to provide salvation eternal life hope in the heaven Jesus came from To sinners who can't save themselves. That's why he came. And if you are a person, and I know many of you are, I'm not going to say 
everybody here is because that would be pretty unrealistic. But if you're a person who has experienced the salvation of God that was provided by Jesus' work on the cross, the reason he came, if you've experienced that salvation through trusting Jesus, you've, you've experienced his forgiveness that he made possible because he paid for your sins. If you've experienced this hope, you have it. Hope beyond this life through salvation. If you are experiencing the presence of God in your life, you have a relationship with him through Jesus. You should be a person who celebrates this season more than anyone else. Knowing what we're celebrating. Why Jesus, the light, came into this dark world. It was for you. And you have experienced why he came personally. You should be celebrating. You should have joy this season. You should experience peace this season. If anybody in this world can experience that, it's we who enjoy the salvation that Jesus came to bring. And I know that some people, after hearing those words, would say, but you don't know the kind of year I've just had. I've decided this year I won't be celebrating. There's not going to be joy. There's not going to be peace. Now, I don't want to sound, well, I probably will, but I don't want to sound uncaring. I just want to speak truth, okay? Nothing that happened this year warrants taking Christmas off. The facts of our year 2021 do not and never will change the facts of Christmas. Picture yourself in the presence of God, in the presence of Jesus, saying to him, because of the kind of year I've had, I'm taking Christmas this year off. What would Jesus say? You have that right? Christmas is dependent upon your experience. The facts of our year don't change the facts of Christmas. They don't. The light came. Jesus came. He came for us. He followed through. He chose something drastic and extreme 
because he loved us. Who are we to take a Christmas off? Because of what happened in our lives this year. It's going to be difficult. It might be different. But we can still celebrate. There can still be this wonderful joy that the world can't understand. There can still be this peace that passes all understanding. There can still be this wonderful hope that's helping you through the next days, Dean. Nothing I experienced in the last year can change that. And that's what I have to celebrate. So I will, speaking for myself, celebrate Christmas by faith. Because the facts haven't changed. Jesus is worthy of my celebrating his coming. Amen? He is. Let's make sure the world knows it's that important. Let's make sure everybody around us knows he is worthy of being celebrated for coming here for us. And if you don't know him, there isn't a better time than right now to surrender your life to him. Experience what he came here for. Experience his salvation. There's a song. We're going to sing it, actually. It's a familiar song, and I think that's a problem because we sing it and we stop listening to what we're singing. We don't tend to see it as a Christmas song, but I think it it works. It says, light of the world, referring to Jesus, you step down into darkness. That's what he did. Open my eyes. Let me see the beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. King of all days, So highly exalted, glorious in heaven above, humbly you came to the earth you created. All for love's sake. So, here I am to worship. Here I am. To bow down. Here I am to say, you're my God. And you're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. Why does the song say that to Jesus? Because of the first line. Light of the world, you stepped into the darkness. 
The light has come. And he came for you and me. That is worth celebrating. And as we sing this song to close this morning, I just challenge you who know Jesus to in a fresh way sing this song and give him the worship and the praise that that he is worthy of, that the song says he's worthy of. The choice he made, heaven to earth, God to man, deity to humanity, light to darkness for us. We need to worship him. No matter what the year has been like, he is worthy. And as we sing it, however you need to sing it, loud, soft, hum, on your knees, if you want to come up here and feel like you need to come up here to sing this song of worship, you do that. But may the people of God, by faith, celebrate that Jesus has come. The facts of Christmas are even greater than the facts of our experience this year. Let's pray. Father, as we sing this song, let it be fresh and powerful to us again. May it lead us to express what's on our hearts. Father, we celebrate Christmas. Sometimes we have to do it by faith. But, Father, the facts of Christmas can bring joy. They can bring hope. They can bring peace. No matter what's going on. And so, Father, we worship you. We thank you. Thank you for loving us so much that you sent Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for being willing to make such a drastic change, to make a choice that was so extreme, so incredible, and that it was out of love for us, that we might know you personally and be saved from the darkness of sin. This is for you, Father. This is for you, Jesus. Amen.